Welcome to Conversations for Life, a marriage and family podcast from Cross Life with hosts Jonathan and Kathleen. Each episode, we sit down and talk about the things that matter most to those that matter most to you. We're so glad you're with us today. Please pull up a chair and join in the conversation. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Conversations for Life. Today, Kathleen and I are going to have a discussion just to follow up from our conversation with Professor Piercy last week in her book. And today, we're going to be looking specifically at you know, how do we take some of these things we talked about with her and apply them to marriage and family. Yeah, we had a really amazing conversation with Nancy Piercy. She's a professor and author of the book Love Thy Body and a few other books. And we talked with her about the philosophical underpinnings of how our culture tends to devalue the physical body. We talked about a dualism of body and spirit, where we create a division between the body and the mind or soul, and the roots of this way of thinking in history, and how this impacts some big contentious issues in our culture right now. So uh, now, Jonathan, you and I are here to follow up with that conversation, particularly as relates to marriage and family. So one of the questions we're going to be looking at is how... Is it important, how is it relevant to our families to learn what the Bible says about our bodies? Yeah, you know, and I came across Professor Piercy's book because I've been doing some research for a course we're actually developing for Cross Life. And I'm, uh, this is an issue for me, the body and a Christian view of the body that has become really significant because I think uh, I have six kids, we have six kids, you know, and, and as I think about raising them and helping them develop a Christian view of the world and of, of themselves, helping them to become, Lord willing, uh, adult believers, I just think in our culture today, we have to be able to speak to issues of the body because uh, that's just so much going on in our culture. But even more than that, as we'll talk about in a little bit, is that, you know, it, the, the body is, is front and center in so much of Scripture. And the Scriptures talk a lot about our bodies. And so I just think it's a, it's a really... Uh, vital aspect of us helping our kids to to develop spiritual maturity is for them to think through their bodies in a Christian way. Yeah, as you said, the the nature and meaning of our physical bodies is the root of a lot of confusion and sin in our culture and in the church. Um, so we're not talking about this reactively, but proactively. We want to build a foundation that's biblically accurate and is practical. Um, you know, so if someone someone might say, oh, you're making too big of a deal out of the body. And I would say, well, look at what a big deal the Bible makes out of the body. Mm. The Bible is not silent about our bodies. Christianity Mm. is not Gnostic. In the beginning, God made our whole being, including our bodies. And, you know, there were consequences to our physical bodies when the fall happened. Mm. And scripture talks a lot about what we are to do with our bodies in this life. Um, And then, of course, in Jesus Christ, God himself was embodied And the Bible talks a lot about what will happen to our bodies when we die. And of course, right now, Jesus has a resurrection body, um, and we will too one day. So there are bodies all over the place. And this is something that God cares about as evidenced in the Bible. So we need to seriously examine whether our core beliefs, you know, the ones we base our everyday lives on, what we really believe in our hearts, if those line up with the Bible. Wow, that's, that's, yeah, amen. And so Kathleen, you know, as a mom of six kids, well, what um, you know? What advice would you give to parents about talking with their kids about their bodies and, and helping them to develop that Christian worldview that Professor Piercy talks about? Well, we want to get the right ideas into their heads from a very young age. Um, 
In other words, we want to be forming a biblical worldview in them from the beginning. We don't wait until they can understand advanced philosophical concepts or even until they can talk. You know, we're forming their view of the world and their bodies from the very beginning. And of course, age matters here. The way you do this mm. with a two-year-old or an eight-year-old is very different from a 16-year-old. But the main point that we want them to know in the core of their being is that their bodies are created by God in His image for His glory. Our bodies are wonderful things. Um, we experience the world through them. Mm. And there's great joy and pleasure in the proper use of our bodies. But the main thing is that we have bodies to reflect and exalt God. Right, which is, and this is what's, you know, what you just said is what's so critical that I think that the message that needs to get out there uh, in terms of our, our Christian uh, worldview is that the, the, the Christian view of the body is a positive view of the body. And I think mm. if you were to ask the average Christian even, you know, what does God think about our bodies? They would, they would re- reply in negative ways, or they would at least have you know, the negative thoughts um, and maybe words. You know, like I, I, when we were talking with Dr. Uh, Professor Piercing, I was saying that you know, many people think of the body only in terms of thou shalt not. But that's not uh, where, where the biblical worldview comes from. The biblical worldview comes from a very positive view of the body. And so teaching our kids... Uh, from the time that they're you know young babies, even just the way we treat them and talk to them, and and with it, with each developmental stage, helping them to integrate um, God's declared truth and reality about their bodies with the way they see themselves. And so, to me, this is it's all about integration. A worldview is about integrating. How do you take a Christian belief system and integrate that into an overarching view of of God, the cosmos, the world, yourself, and everything else? So, you know, Kathleen, for you, again, you know, as a mom of six kids, where, where do you first see these issues coming up? I'm sure it's not when they're in high school, right? Because we don't even have high school age kids, but, but even young kids have these issues, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. They start noticing their own bodies when they're pretty young, and they, you know, they may also start noticing that they're different in some ways from siblings or parents of the opposite sex. And so from an early age, we've told the kids, God made your bodies, and he made them very good. You know, that's what he says in Genesis when he looks at the people he made that they're very good, and so our bodies are valuable and important. And this is to help them see the proper value of their bodies as they're created. Mm. And you know, sometimes this has been in the context of talking about protecting themselves from sexual abuse in age-appropriate ways. You know, so we tell them that certain parts of their body are not for anyone else to see or touch, except mm. when mommy or daddy are helping with a bath or going potty or at the doctor. Um, so we're helping them understand these boundaries, but always with an emphasis on how this doesn't mean there's something wrong or bad about their bodies. Mm. Um, their, their whole bodies, including their private parts, are good. You know, God made them exactly how he wanted them to be, and they work just right for what they're supposed to do. Mm. Um, and another thing is we don't allow any kind of teasing or shaming each other about our bodies. When kids or even when adults feel self-conscious, it's, it's very easy to direct that discomfort outward onto mocking somebody else. Oh, right. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. You see that played out a lot. So we've made it clear from the beginning that no one is to tease a sibling or anyone else about their body, about sexual differences, about anything else like that. Our bodies are good. And so from infancy, we want to, you know, those are just a few examples, but from infancy, we want to teach our kids about proper care, protection, and valuation of their bodies in ways that they can understand. Um, so if I can interject, so proper care would include bathing, I would presume, as well <laughs> yes. as maybe wearing the right clothing when you leave the house? Yeah, that's a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> 
for sure. Wearing clothing, yes. Um, yeah. So, you know, when we talk thinking about protection of our bodies, it's because as human beings, as embodied human beings, they're so precious and their bodies are precious. Yeah, well, and, you know, this whole idea of preciousness, I mean, this is, I know, has come up recently uh, in terms of sexual abuse. There's been a number of scandals, of course, in the church with issues of abuse, and, and they're terrible and they're tragic. And so teaching our kids from a young age to value their bodies and especially to recognize that, as you already mentioned, that balance between this is your body. It's created by God and it's good. There's nothing wrong with your body, but each part of it has a certain purpose. And some of those some of those parts of your body are only for you. Uh, they're, they're private. They're only for you and they're not for anyone else to look at or to touch or to talk about. And then, as you also said, teaching your kids which I think is really, you had this offhand comment where you said, you know, that, that oftentimes kids out of their own sense of, I can't I mean, how you put it, their own sense of insecurity about themselves will actually mm-hmm. transfer that onto others. Can you, can you say that one more time? I thought it was really perceptive. Oh, just about, yeah, like self-consciousness or insecurity, you kind of direct that onto someone else, mocking and teasing and shaming other people. Like your own self-contempt can be directed to others. Wow, that's well, and we'll get there in, in a while talking talking about social media. But I just wonder what the connection is there about those things. Yeah, and and we seek to create a culture of respectful openness in talking about our bodies too. We don't want to uh, impart shame or embarrassment to our kids. So mm. when we talk about something like menstruation to our daughters, we want to be fact based. We want to give them the information and help them to see it in the context of God's good design. Having your period is not embarrassing. It's not mm-hmm. magical. It doesn't suddenly turn you into a woman. Um, it's also not something you have to shout from the rooftops. You know, there's a lot of different ideas about about uh, things like this. But what it is is it's <laughs> the next step of you developing into a woman. Mm-hmm. It's God's preparation for your body to be able to have children one day, if that's His will. So it, it's scientifically fascinating and it's spiritually beautiful because God is preparing. Um, you to one day be a giver of life. So mm. that's something Amen. to celebrate in a respectful way. Mm. And of course, as with, with any other uh, body issue or you know issue of maturation, um, different cultures will treat this differently. There's different rituals associated uh, with these kind of coming of age things. But the main thing is that we help our children see that this is the very good design of God as he prepares him, as, as he prepares them for the work and the calling that he has ahead for them. And of course, you know, this is just scratching the surface. We could talk about this for days, and in the future we will. <laughs> of course, we're developing. But um, and, as I, and, you know, we're, we're not just talking about, uh, you know, I mentioned kind of sexual differences and puberty and, and things like that. And that's, that's not the only things we want to talk about. Those are big, big topics uh, that right. are often misunderstood and, right. and often they're... There are big changes in our lives. So those are, those are big things to talk about. But we want to talk about the overall design of our bodies. Um, we, want to, we want to help our kids understand that how, how they can take care, of their body, take care of their bodies and steward their bodies. You know, Our bodies are meant to be for the glory of God. That's their ultimate purpose. And so that's something that we want to bring into all of the conversation that we're having. Yeah, as, as, as uh, Scripture says, you know, whatever you do, work with all your heart is working for the Lord, not for men. That's talking about our bodies. You know, whatever we do with our bodies, uh, you know, work as if working for the Lord, not yeah. for men. And so, you know, obviously, um, moving beyond some of the immediate issues about their bodies, you know, when, when would you, Kathleen, when do you think it's a good time to begin 
uh, talking about some of the some of the bigger worldview aspects of it. Of course, not when they're two or three years old, but as they're developing. When 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 would you say it's good to start talking about some of the you know integrating in the the bigger picture of everything? Yeah, well, I think it's uh, probably gradual. You know, I think even our uh, eight year old and six year old are are able to understand some more abstract things, but as kids get older and they're developmentally capable of this kind of thought, then you do want to talk explicitly about worldview with our mm. kids, you know, worldview in general. And then, you know, since we're talking about the body in this uh, episode, specifically about how we see our bodies, mm. how we think about how we feel about our bodies, um, it's more than just uh, head knowledge, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a holistic thing. So we want them to be aware of their own worldview. Uh, we want them to see how the prevailing worldviews around them are different from the worldview that we are cultivating in our home. Right. And actually, uh, when I was in college, I was in a small seminar, seminar class about psychological theories. And at the end of it, the professor had everyone share positive things about each other. And um, my fellow students commended me because at one point in the course, the professor had stated a certain idea. He, she had said it was really obvious um, and it was just a plain fact, you know. And so something she was asserting, she said, was really obvious. Was yeah, just yeah. plain as day. She was. It's just plain as day. And so, and in reality, it was part of a very distinct belief system that I didn't share. Mm. So I told her this. This contradicts my worldview, and I don't think we can just take this as a given without examining it more closely, mm. or at the very least, defining it and explaining it more. Mm. You know. And so at the end of the course, one of the students said, I was so impressed when you talked about something not agreeing with your worldview. I don't even have a worldview. (laughs) Yes, you do. (laughs) And it was kind of funny because this is a a top-tier university. Mm. We're talking about smart, educated people. Um, And and this was before the time when people were talking as much about worldview, before they were more aware of what that is. And, of course, this girl did have a worldview, um, she just wasn't aware of it, and so she didn't know who and what was influencing her worldview. And um, she believed a whole lot of things, and she lived out those beliefs, but she hadn't examined why. Mm. And so I think that's instructive. We don't want to raise children who believe and love and follow certain things, but they don't know why they do. Well, if I can just uh, you know uh, interject for one moment, I, I just think, too, as many parents struggle with you know, well, my kid, he goes to church or she goes to church, excuse me, and, uh, you know, they're involved, but I just don't see them owning their faith. I don't see it clicking for them. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that, but I do think one of the areas that parents really need to be aware that we have, I think, vastly underestimated as sort of American, you know, evangelical Christians is we think that we we can state a few propositional truths and that's the end of the the story. You know, uh, God, Mm. God, God created the world, um, you know, he created Adam and Eve, and uh, Adam and Eve fell into sin. Uh, he, uh, God sent Jesus. He died for our sins on the cross. If we believe in him, we have eternal life. End of story. Um, and I think all that's, that, that's the gospel. But, but that, that, that's only, you know, that's just a small part of the fact that the, the, the Bible teaches us a whole way of living, acting, and being, and doing in the world, and, and that helping our, our kids... Uh, see that come alive for them is a huge part of what we're all about with cross life. Mm, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, too often neglected, I think. Yeah. I like just, I think people don't realize that's something that 
you need to do as a parent. As parents, you need to go deeper and bigger than just the the very basics of faith. It's so much facts. more helping them apply it in, in a worldview sort of way. And there's great resources that maybe we'll uh, put on the website about how to do that. But anyway, so... Yeah, yeah. So um, talking about worldview, helping them to be able to examine their own worldview, to, con- mm. you know, to contrast that with other options out there, um, and to talk to them about how the Christian view of the body is rooted in Scripture, in Genesis, where it says, God made male and female in his own image and called them very good. And because of the fall, because of rebellion against God, sin has polluted all of us in every aspect of our being, including our bodies. But it doesn't erase our being made in the image of God, and it doesn't erase our value and our dignity. It doesn't erase the value and dignity of our bodies. So what's Mm. more, as redeemed people, rescued and reconciled to God by the blood of Christ, we already experienced the beginning of restoration in this life. Um, As you said earlier, Jonathan, we're to do everything that we do, including eat, drink, have sex, get dressed in the morning, exercise, and more, to the glory of God. We can do all those things to the glory of God. So everything that we do as physical, embodied human beings is meant to be for his glory. Mm. Um, God is not indifferent to our bodies. They're, they're, they're made for his glory, and he offers a lot of joy in the midst of glorifying him. And I think that's pretty amazing that... Um, or it, it's, it's interesting and amazing because it contradicts so much of what we're implicitly taught to believe about what God thinks about the physical realm and about right. our bodies. You know, he, he does care what we do with our bodies, and um, he, he loves to see us glorifying him with our physical mm. reality. But mm-hmm. yeah, and, and you know, as we look forward to the final consummation of God's redemption when Jesus returns and the dead are raised with imperishable, glorified, perfect bodies, and we live forever with God in the new heavens and the new earth, that is our ultimate hope. That's the ultimate hope. It's the ultimate hope for when our bodies are damaged or ill or weak, and as happens to all of us eventually, declining and one day deceased. You know, that is what will happen to our physical bodies unless the Lord returns soon. Um, but, but our hope is the, these resurrected bodies. And so, you know, that's kind of a nutshell view of our Christian worldview, and you could write a whole series of books on each of the things I just mentioned. Um, but that's the short version. This is what we want to teach to our children. We want to teach it explicitly uh, as we're teaching them, reading the Bible, studying the Bible with them. We want to teach it, um, you know, implicitly through the different the ways that we use our own bodies and the things that we model for them. And, um, yeah, and so we need to be in God's Word as a family so that their outlook can really be shaped by God's truth. And we also want to help them see how different the world around them sees things. So the world's worldview is based on something wholly different. Mm. And that'll vary according to culture. If you're listening to this in Taiwan or Germany, you're, you're steeped in a different worldview than here in the States. And even within the States, there are many different cultures and um, ways of seeing the world. But on the whole, the dualism that Nancy describes is spot on. It's interesting. It's really a tale as old as time. You know, we separate things that are actually intertwined, and we conflate things that should be separate. Mm. That's, that's our rebellious nature. Right. What God has made whole, we want to rip apart. 
And what God has separated with good boundaries, we want to smash together heedlessly. Mm. And even in the creation story, you see um, God separating certain things, light and dark, you know, land and water, um, but then making some things whole, like our, our, our humanity, where body and soul intertwined. And so we, we like to undo what God does. And that's, um, yeah, we like to put together, as you said, put together what he has, uh, set apart and, and set apart things he's put together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Pretty convicting. It is. It is. Cause we're a part of that too. Um, so yeah. So talk to your kids about, um, these different belief systems that, uh, prioritize the mind over anything else as the seed of kind of the human reason or human essence and, and belief systems that see the physical world as kind of a prison or distasteful and something we need to escape from. Um, talk to them about personhood theory, you know, which, which we discussed with, uh, with Professor Piercy, which says that a human being is not being a human being is not a sufficient criterion for being a person. There has to be other standards that are met for someone to be worthy of human rights. Um, you know, Which talk, is not what we believe. It's what, right, it's what right. proponents of things like you know, abortion argue. That's not, you know, that they, right, right. These are other uh, belief systems, other right, worldviews right. that uh, very easily creep into the church and to what we believe without us necessarily recognizing it. Um, well, good. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to I was going to mention real quick. You you talking about other belief systems? Quite frankly, uh, there's a lot of false belief systems in the church, mm-hmm. and I, I'm I'm going to be this may step on some toes of some listeners, but but there are lots of faith traditions within Christianity that actually teach a very negative view of the body. Quite frankly, an unbiblical view of the body, and I'm not going to tease out specifics and, and call anyone out per se. That's not my role. But I will say that if you're a believer in Christ, you need to recognize that the Bible does not speak negatively about the physical human body. And that the, 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 the creation story of God making Adam and Eve and God declaring them good, which is in Genesis 1, that, that precedes the fall. And even after the fall, um, the fall only matters because it's a perversion of what God has made good. But but it, it, but the goodness of of creation and of our bodies does not lose does not lose its goodness, and so we want to affirm what what God affirms, and God affirms the human body. And I'll I'll get to this in, a, in down in, in a minute, but I just want to say real quickly that that this has led to untold amounts of trauma in the church. Mm-hmm. I I have personally talked to individuals, and I know there are many more alive today and throughout history that have been deeply traumatized by a distortion of Christian faith that teaches uh, young people to see their bodies as a threat, as an enemy, as a danger, and that Mm. is not a Christian view of the body. Mm. So if you're teaching that to your kids, you're actually teaching them a false belief system. Yeah, and I think that can be really subtle, right? Like you can be teaching that very subtly. You're not saying your bodies are bad or dangerous, um, but you're saying it in more subtle ways. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be in, in ways that even we as, a, as parents aren't even, aren't even aware of. I mean, just one casual example is, you know, with, with the way a parent talks to their daughter about their dress, there are certainly lots of good guidelines about modest dress. But we don't want to shame young girls into saying that your body is the problem for men's lusts. Right, um, or but, your desire to be beautiful or, 
you know, attractive is, is, a, is, bad is a bad thing. thing. Right. I mean, there are plenty of people out there, quite frankly, who would say that they're Christians, who would teach that to their kids, mm-hmm. their daughters. And, and they wouldn't even say it, as you said, they wouldn't, wouldn't even, it wouldn't be like they sit down with a Bible study and say, okay, now we're going to teach this. It's in yeah. their attitude, their demeanor, their body language that they communicate that to their kid. And kids powerfully, I mean, their antenna are so attuned to our attitudes and to our emotions and to our body language. And they very clearly and powerfully pick up when we're giving them negative signals about their bodies. Yeah, and you know, you could see uh, like with boys, teenage boys maybe especially, like their own sexual desires, you could shame them with those. Yeah, it's huge. Making them feel like this is a, a bad, dirty thing. And of course, sexual desire can very much be perverted and, and misdirected, but to make it seem like that desire at all is a bad thing that you need to stamp out that can really have damaging consequences as well yeah i mean to to put it uh linguistically to have sexual immorality you first have to have sexual morality meaning there is such a good thing as good sexual ethics and so with a young boy as he's coming of age and he's beginning to have desires uh you know you teach him the way god gave him those desires as, as a good thing and you help him even to celebrate those desires as a man, as a man made after God's own image. And so that's a good thing. As you talked about with, 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 with young girls and uh, menstruation, it's a good thing for a, young, uh, for a young boy to go through puberty. So walking that fine line between creation and being mm. bodies being good, but then talking very openly and honestly about sin. And I, I will say this, the more positive you can be about the, the body as it made in God's image, the more truthful and honest you can be about just how bad sin is. Oh, yeah, that's a great point. I like what you said, walking the line between creation and the fall. Yeah. And yeah, if you can, if you are being positive and recognizing creation, you can, you have so much more power when you're talking about the fall part. Right. Amen. And it's interesting, too, as you're saying that, I was just thinking, um, I, you know, as parents probably aren't sitting, like you said, aren't sitting down saying, let's have a Bible study and talk about how bad your body is or anything like that. <laughs> but I, I wonder what the the motivation is for some of these messages. And it seems like mm. there's a lot of fear behind, you know, uh, shaming kids about their bodies or their desires related to their bodies, physical desires, things like that. Yeah. yeah no, there, there's, I mean, <coughs> because our bodies... Are, 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 as Paul will say, you know, that in, 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 in his Corinthian letters, there's, there's something unique and even more powerful about uh, the sin that we commit with our bodies. And as parents, of course, I think many parents, if they were to, 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 to put their finger on their worst fears of what could, quote-unquote, happen to their kids, many of them deal with, and, and for good reasons, with, with sexual areas. But we always want to respond as parents in faith, not in fear. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Hey friends, we're going to stop here for this episode of Conversations for Life, Uh, but we hope you come back next week where you'll hear the final part of our conversation where we deal with some of the specific issues that may uh, revolve around parenting and the body, and so please come back for that. Until then, you're welcome to visit our website, www.crosslifetoday.org, for more information and resources as well as links to Nancy's books and our other podcasts if you missed that. As always, Conversations for Life is part of Cross Life. It's a ministry that exists to equip and empower married couples and parents to cultivate life in the home. We are a a ministry that is supported by listeners like you. So if you've enjoyed the podcast, if if you've benefited from it, please 
feel free to go online to our, to our website and you can make a donation today in any amount. And if you do so, just know that that, that money goes to help support our ministry and our work. Thank you so much. Take care and God bless.